So we're continuing our series in the parables, and today we're going to study a parable that Jesus taught about the wise and the foolish builder. Okay, so Jesus starts this with a question in Luke chapter, uh, Luke um, chapter 8, I think it is, uh, 46 through 49, it should be in your... um, in your handout there. So he starts off and it says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? So the question is for the multitudes of people that are following Jesus and they're calling him Lord, but they're not obedient. They're not listening. They're not doing what Jesus tells them to do. Now, this is a question for us as believers that we should ask ourselves, because many times it's uh, common for believers to have an attitude like this. Yeah, I'm a believer. Yeah, I believe that stuff, right? But, you know, I kind of just do what I want to do. Okay, I'm a believer. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I just kind of do what I want to do. I know Jesus has some suggestions, but I'm not going to pay much attention to those suggestions. I'm just going to kind of live my life the way that I feel like I want to live. So, or maybe you were brought up to know and follow the commands of Jesus. Maybe you learned about how he wants you to live and you knew these were good ideas and good suggestions and in fact, good commands. But at some point in life, you became distracted. You got off focus. Maybe some of you here have our parents and you taught your kids the right way to go, right? You taught them from very young age and then, you know, you know, they know it but they're not really listening and doing it. They're not being obedient. So basically what happens here is Jesus uses this question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I do? And then he gives an illustration by way of parable to remind us what we are like when we decide to listen to him and what we are like when we decide not to listen to him. Then he teaches us what happens when we listen and what happens when we don't listen. So in verse 47, it says this, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building his house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. So the one that comes to Jesus through the gospel, we know the gospel message is we are all sinners and we need a savior. Jesus is that savior. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, rose from the grave three days later, and Jesus tells us all who believe will have eternal life. So anyone who comes to Jesus, trusts in Jesus, is actually a believer. But the point of this short parable is listening to his word and following his word will be a great benefit to a person. In other words, it will create a firm foundation because the person is like a wise person. The person that listens to God's word is like a wise person that built his house the proper way, which was on a firm foundation. When the house is on the firm foundation, here's obviously what happens. It says this, and when a flood arose, The stream broke against the house, and it could not shake it because it had been well built. So basically what happens is when the house is built on a firm foundation and a storm comes, the house withstands the storm. But then Jesus, what he does is he speaks to the opposite in verse 49. He says, but the one who hears and does not do them, 
is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, it immediately fell, and the ruin of the house was great. So the storm comes, right, and the house falls. It comes to ruin. In fact, this person is not wise, but they are foolish because they heard the right thing to do, but they did not do it. They actually ignored it. So when we bought our first home, a good friend of mine helped me, and he gave me tips on how to renovate because I had a ton of work to do. And uh, there was no YouTube, so I couldn't just log on YouTube and be like, how can I do this? So I was a really good friend, still have him, and he came over, and he gave me a lot of tips on what to do. He helped me, and he also gave me tips on what to do. But one thing that he taught me that I will never forget, it's called the five Ps. Does anybody know what the five Ps are? Some of you guys that are, you know, that do like hard labor, you probably know what the five Ps are. Proper planning prevents poor performance, okay? He taught me that. Proper planning prevents poor performance. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, if you plan everything out, then you're going to do a good job. So my performance is normally not good, and I don't have a great outcome when I don't plan. So this is proven to be true in almost every home project that I've done in the past 23 years of being a homeowner. But what I also found to be true in my life is this is actually true in my spiritual life. Proper planning prevents poor performance. See, we never know when a storm is going to come, or in other words, when we're going to need to perform, when we're going to need to act out and live out our faith. The performance is our spiritual life, and it's putting that into action, what we have learned from Jesus and what he has taught us. So basically, our spiritual life needs to be filled with proper planning so when the storms come, we don't perform poorly. So here's what I want to do. I want to take some time because this is a very short parable, and we kind of get the gist, right? The wise one builds the, on a foundation. The foolish one does not build on a foundation. So I want to take some time and teach us about some common storms that can enter into our lives and the wisdom that God's word actually teaches us so that we can endure those storms. Because hopefully right now you're not going through a storm. I mean, some of you might be going through a storm and you're looking, you're like, what should I do? What should I do? But most of us right now might not be going through a storm. And we might think like, hey, this is great. And, you know, I'm guilty of that too. Like when I'm not going through a storm, I'm like, hey, this is great. But did God give you this time of peace so that you can just lay back and say, hey, this is great? Or did he give you this time of peace so that you can actually build a firm foundation in your life so when the storm comes your way, you're prepared? So here's some common storms. The first one is health issues, our health issues, or issues of those that we love. How do we set a firm foundation for the upcoming storm of health issues? Well, the first way is we can take care of our health the best we can. We can take care of our health the best we can. I've spoken about this issue a few other times in the past years, but I've noticed this. In the Christian community, you don't hear much. You don't hear many messages and lessons about taking care of your body. But the truth is, the Old Testament teaches that, and so does the New. The Old Testament, I don't know if you realize this, but when you go through some of those Old Testament laws that seem like, these things are crazy. Do you know a lot of Old Testament laws are focused around good health practices? 
You realize that? When you read some of those Old Testament laws, they're actually focused around good health practices. Why? Because God wants you to be healthy. He doesn't want you to get sick. But there's two passages I want to focus in on in the New Testament. The first one is in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Now, the main, main point of this text is actually about sexual immorality. Okay, But we can apply this to our physical health, and here's why. It says this, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were brought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Well, the way that we can steward or take care of our bodies is we can either bring glory to God or we could not bring glory to God. See, although there are no guarantees that healthy living will keep us from having health problems, we know that, right? There's no guarantee that healthy living will keep us from having health problems. But if we're wise and responsible with what we have, we'll actually take care of ourselves. The second passage I want to look at is in 1 Timothy 4.8, and you've heard me uh, quote this before. It says this, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, this passage teaches us that there is some value in physical training, or in other words, exercise, which is true. But it's actually also a warning. It only has benefit where? in this life, okay? When you pass to the next life, like Jesus isn't going to be like, you're in pretty good shape. I'm, I'm glad you're in No, that's not going to happen. It it's only has a benefit for this life. You know, our culture needs to hear this because some go way overboard with working out and being too vain about their body. We see this, right? Maybe you're caught in this. Let me just tell you, if you're working out and eating right, that is great, but don't let it consume your life. Because if it's consuming your life, I could tell you this, Jesus won't be consuming your life. If that's consuming your life, Jesus won't be consuming your life. So here's some questions. How do you know this is consuming you? Well, some questions are, is it all you think about? Is it all you think about? Do you spend more time on your physical health than you do on your spiritual development? Think about this for a second. Do you spend more time on your physical health than you do on your spiritual development? The next is, do you feel the need to post your workouts and what you eat on social media? Hey, everybody, look what I ate or look what I didn't eat. Look at when I worked out and how long it was and tracked. And here is the map of where I ran. Do you feel the need to do these things? Okay. If the answer to any of those questions is yes, you may have a problem. I'm not saying you do, okay? I'm saying you may have a problem. You may want to look into this a little bit more because you know what? Especially in our culture right now, this has become an idol, okay? Health and fitness and what I eat and what I don't eat, this has become an idol in this world. Which brings us to the next way we set a foundation to deal with health issues, and that is this. This is cold hard truth, right? except you are getting old, okay? Accept it. There is not one person here not getting old right now, okay? You are going to be older than you were when you first walked in, okay? Accept it. We have to accept this. We live in a sin-cursed world with health problems. Remember, this body is not your final destination, 
Do you realize that? This body is not your final destination. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 5, 2. It's kind of a lengthy passage, but listen. It says this. <clears throat> so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not into things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, talking about our body, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan longing to put our heavenly dwelling on. You know what? That's the Apostle Paul saying, this is not our final resting place. Do you realize that part of the reason why we get old and part of the reason why things deteriorate, it's so towards the end we say, you know what, Jesus, I want to go home, okay? I'm done with this body, and I want the glorified one. I want to be in eternity with you. You know, if you're not willing to accept that truth and think you can eat right and work out and never have health issues, when something happens, instead of being like, okay, I get it. I'm getting old. This is going to happen, okay? I'm going to have health issues. Things are going to deteriorate. Instead of having that mindset, if you think like you found like this magical fountain of youth and you can eat these things and do this and never age, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be like, I can't believe this is happening to me. You know, like I'm not, I'm not an old person. That's my dad. That's my grandparents. Okay. They're old people. That's not me. Well, guess what? You just have to accept it. The firm foundation is just saying, you know what? This is another year that I'm here on this earth to serve the Lord. And if I have health problems, if age is catching up with me and things don't work like they used to, I just have to realize that, you know what? I should really focus in on the inner, the spiritual, and not be so overly consumed. So if, if and when the storm of health issues for you or a loved one comes your way and you accept these truths... You're, you're already going into this health issue with a firm foundation. And guess what? You're going to handle it the way God desires you to handle it. The next storm is the loss of a loved one. We all hate this, right? Losing someone we love is, is, is very tough. It's, you know, Some people say this. I, I've heard this before, and you might have heard this before. You, most people like about 70% of their job and don't like about 30%. Have you heard that before? It's about 70. If you're running 70, 30, that's pretty good. Well, I always say this. As a pastor, I like about 90% of my job. There's about 10% that I don't particularly care for. Do you know what's on the top of that list? Death, okay? And guess what? As a pastor, I can't escape that. It's almost like monthly, if not sometimes weekly, that I'm getting calls of I'm losing my loved one, or so-and-so passed away. Or can you come and do a funeral today? Obviously, my role as a pastor is to come and bring comfort. But death never sits well with us, does it? We hate this. We hate the storm of losing a loved one. And guess what? And I don't want to be depressing this morning, but look around you. 
eventually we're all going to be in heaven, but we're all going to go at different times if the rapture doesn't happen. So that means that we're going to lose each other, aren't we? We're going to have to deal with that. At some point, you might have to deal with the person you love the most leaving this earth before you do. So the foundation we can learn from God's word is this. The first is, remember, death is imminent. Hebrews 9.27 is just as appointed for a person to die once, and after that comes judgment. Because this is true and everyone dies, we will face judgment. But the next way to set this foundation is share the gospel with those around us. You know, share the gospel. I mean, if what we believe is true, which it is, and you have a loved one that doesn't know Jesus... Maybe you're in their life to share Jesus with them. Well, in fact, I think you are in your, their life to share Jesus with them. Another foundation that the scriptures teach us is that the death of a believer is actually not a bad thing. It's actually a homecoming. Psalm 116 verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. You know, when a believer dies, all those funerals that I have to do, when I do a funeral of a believer... You know, it does stink to deal with, like, you know, the loss of a loved one. But when I can come there and say, this person's way better off, and I know that's true. It's not something that people just say, but I know it to be true. The death of a, a saint is precious in the sight of the Lord. It's the homecoming. Another foundational principle that we need to practice in view of the storm of losing a, a loved one is appreciate the time you have together. Appreciate the time you have together. This way you have no regrets. This way you're like, you know what? We have today. So many times we spend our time thinking about what if this happens? What if? Or I'm going to plan for the next day or in the future, this and that. Well, guess what? I don't know about you, but I'm standing here on a beautiful Sunday morning. So I'm going to appreciate the fact that I'm with God's people. I'm going to appreciate the fact that my family is here. I'm going to appreciate all those things and just take it day by day. If and when the storm of losing a loved one comes your way, you're already going into that with a firm foundation. The next storm that can come our way is financial crisis. And a couple of ways that we set the foundation is the first is we realize the purpose of your money or money in general. It's a tool to serve God, to be generous with, cheerfully be generous with, to provide for your family and you know what? To enjoy as well. If you have that perspective, that money, if you have the perspective that, you know what? I need all this money to spend it all on myself and on my pleasures. Guess what? When financial crisis comes your way, you're going to be devastated. You're going to be devastated. Another way that we set a foundation with financial crisis is we don't trust in our wealth. Proverbs 11:28 says, whoever trusts in his riches will fall. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall. You know what? Riches can be a false sense of security, right? But I could tell you what, I'm sure right now off the top of your head, you could rattle off close to 10 things that money is not going to heal. You can rattle off things that money is not going to fix. Money can be useful, but if you focus too much on it, you're going to be let down. The very famous passage, 1 Timothy 6.10, says this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. 
It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Basically, what the Apostle Paul was saying to Timothy is like, you know what? If you're off focus in this area of life, you're not setting a firm foundation. You're being foolish, and you're actually going to cause yourself a lot of pain and anguish in your life because you put too much undue focus on money. If and when you go through the storm of financial crisis, you're already going into it with a firm foundation if you remember all these things. The next storm is relational issues. We all have many relationships in life, and I've spent a ton of time in the past doing relationship sermon series. You can go and look back on our website and on our little Vimeo page and stuff, and you can find, you know, I've done tons of relationship-type series. But today I want to point out two foundational truths that deal with any relational storm that comes your way. I'm talking any, in your marriage, with your kids, with your family, whatever it is. The first is basic and simple, and it is found in Mark 12, 31. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's a foundational, simple principle, not easy to do, but we love others. We love others. We can't go wrong if we listen to Jesus' word and seek to love other people. And the second is also basic, not simple as well, but... It's found in Romans 12, 18. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This means you need to do your part. So many times when we have relational issues, we're like, they did this, they did that, they did this, they did that. Well, you know, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about how you handle it. And guess what? Jesus is concerned about how you handle it. So, you know, the simple takeaway is, hey, am I loving this person? And am I trying to maintain peace as far as it depends on me? And I will tell you, and I've told you this before, some people you'll just never have peace with because they're just not peaceable people. They're just not loving people. They're just always going to try to cause an issue. But as much as it depends on you, you need to do the right thing. You need to set that foundation. You need to be wise in that area. So if and when you go through relational storms and you are doing these two things, you're already going to be setting this firm foundation. The next storm that we might encounter is sin struggling or struggling with sin. Struggling with sin is a storm in life because your sin can also lead to other storms. So when you're struggling with sin, you have this internal storm going on, right? But when you're struggling with sin, uh, oftentimes your sin impacts other people and causes storms in their life. Some of you here that are parents, you might have realized this when your kids, you know, fell into some kind of sin. And it just blew up the whole family because of what your child decided to do. The Apostle Paul talks about his struggle with sin. The Apostle Paul talks about his struggle with sin and how he dealt with it in Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 25. It says this, So I find it to be a law that when I do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? 
Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So Paul is describing this struggle. His flesh wants to do something, sin, but his mind, what he's learned, the firm foundation, desires to follow God. So what Paul is teaching us is the way to build a firm foundation is focus your mind on the things of God because your fleshly desires are going to be to sin and they're going to war against your mind. But there's power through God's word. There's power in knowing God's word and there's power through his Holy Spirit. So when we focus in on his word, and we focus in on what he desires us to do with the power of the Holy Spirit. God is victorious in us. So if and when you're struggling with the storm of sin, if you set your mind and focus on God's word, you're going to be better prepared with a strong foundation. I mean, think about this. If you back up before you commit a sin, if you back up and just think, what is this really going to accomplish? I can almost guarantee you'll be less likely to follow your flesh and follow and then follow after God. You'll be less likely to follow after your flesh. The final storm is a storm of doubt. Maybe you've been through one or all of these storms that I just described. And you know what? Some of us might go through all these storms over the course of our life. And maybe you didn't handle it well. Maybe you didn't handle it as well as you hoped, and it actually caused you to doubt. And sadly, there are some Christians that feel this way. They're just like, you know, where is my faith? What's going on with me? And you just start to fall into this trap of doubt. Because you haven't had victory in the past, because you didn't handle a storm well, you really start to doubt. So what do you do to protect yourself from the storm of doubt? Because guess what? Satan is going to try to use these doubts to make you feel like living the Christian life is not attainable. Like having that firm foundation and following after the Lord is not something that you, you are able to do. Well, there's an accountant in uh, Mark that has a son that is demon-possessed. And the father wanted Jesus to cast out the demon. And I love this passage. It says this in Mark 9, 20 through 24. It says, and they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him immediately convulsed, talking about the evil spirit, immediately convulsed. It convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and he rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And the father said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into a fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, this is the father talking to Jesus. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out. And he said this, I believe, help my unbelief. Think about that statement for a second. I believe, help my unbelief. See, the Father is much like us sometimes, right? We're believers. I believe. Jesus died for me. I know I'm going to heaven. 
But you know what? Sometimes we don't believe that God's going to help us through the storms that come our way. That's where your unbelief lies. It's not like you're not a believer. This man was a believer. He's like, I believe. Help me with this struggle of believing that my son, who's been tormented for his entire life. Could you imagine what this man was going through? He said sometimes this demon would throw, the kid would throw himself in a fire and harm himself. Do you imagine parenting that child? See, sometimes as believers, we don't believe that deliverance is possible, victory is possible, that we could ever get over something or be comforted or have peace or have a relationship that, that's healed or have a health problem that's healed. We don't believe it. We're believers, right? But he says, help my unbelief. His prayer is, help my unbelief. If you're doubting, if you're going through the storm of doubt right now, that's the simple prayer you need to pray. Help my unbelief. I want to believe this. I want to believe it's true. Jesus, I believe you for salvation. I want to believe all the other things are true. Help my unbelief. Help me not to doubt. See, the wise, they look into what Jesus tells us. And those things become part of who we are. Okay, so we set this foundation. We spend our life setting this foundation. And guess what? When the storms come, we're ready. We're ready for the storms because we have the foundation. We're not looking around. What do I do? What do I do? We already know what to do because we set the foundation. But the foolish, when there's no storms coming, they just say, oh, here's a good place to build the house. Foundation, that takes too long. Let me just build this right here, throw some two-by-fours on the ground. And then when the storm comes, they don't stand. They can't stand because there's no true foundation. 